So during the lockdown, we're trying to figure out ways to stay in touch with our fan base. So we had auctioned off a song or be a part of a song. Or somehow uh, you can tell us what you want. We'll try and deliver it. And I ended up uh, talking to Shua, the guy who, um, I guess you could say won. He was the winner. We talked for like 30 minutes about what he wanted to write about and he wanted the song to be about all of his friends that he had grown apart from over the last 20 years whether it was a moved across the country or this guy had kids or this guy started you know whatever to the separation and distance so he wanted a song to celebrate the memories of all of his old friends and kind of be an anthemic way for them to kind of connect across long distances and when he would hear the song he would think of them or it was something that they could kind of get together behind and when he first told me that I, I, I think I remember saying something to the effect of I don't know how to do that without being really corny and cheesy so this is going to take a couple weeks so no guarantees his idea for the song was a uh, just a romantic tribute I guess to all friends that you may or may not. He even mentioned friends that he had gone to see concerts with Ben hadn't talked to and probably wouldn't because they probably had political differences now, but there's going to be this underlying thread that would always connect them no matter what happened. Throughout this series, we've highlighted Umphreys McGee's connection with their fans, something ever-present even amidst a global pandemic which separated them from their hardcore fans for much of the year. Escapegoat is the moment on the band's 2022 record, Asking for a Friend, where that relationship blurs. Seeking inspiration directly from their fans, the band crafted a song which feels a part of the larger themes of the record, while also creating a lasting bond between artist and listener. We have, we have a, a good friend, Wade, who was on our bus maybe last year, and we were playing him the new album. So we only got to hear it all once. And he sent me a text probably six weeks ago, and he was just stoked for a scapegoat live. So it stuck with him. Welcome back to Talking Circles, a podcast about Umphreys McGee's 2022 album, Asking for a Friend. With the record released, we're diving into the deep cuts to give you the inside scoop on everything that went into the band's new record. This is our final of three deep dives with the band from within the rocks at Red Rocks. Today, we're discussing Scapegoat, a song which emerged from a band fan contest during 2020. It touches on the three chords in the truth mentality, which has summarized the record while continuing to embrace themes of nostalgia and 80s rock. We'll dive into the recording sessions for the song, while also continuing to focus on the band's efforts to transition their songs from the studio to the stage. Yeah, sometimes we, uh, we do a song like with that much you know, uh, effort, and we also learn things along the way when we do it live. Thanks to our fans who are forgiving on that, but it's it's a process that's to me like a '70s band, like very organic, where the band the song can develop over time. Nothing wrong with that. 
not like we're trying to come out with that brand, you know, right away and it has to be that brand. Sometimes there's a process that people want to be a part of too. But I remember us going to uh, Jake's basement at his place and we kind of worked out, we all worked out our own parts for uh, what became a scapegoat. Um, and some of the stuff was a little less adapted. I mean, it was pretty raw, you know, I was using that little micro X keyboard. I, I don't know, I remember coming up with, I mean, the little, the little synth break that leads into the chorus. I feel like that's probably my best contribution to the song. Well, first off, the, the initial demo of the song, I remember putting together, I was asked to join a band called the Omega Moose, which is an 80s cover band. So I thought in my mind, maybe we should write an 80s song. So the, the initial demo of it was uh, an 80s groove, and I sent it to Jamie Shields, and he was like, no. Uh, but we, we took that demo and then went to Jake's house and when he lived on state lines. So it was half Indiana, half Michigan, and we're in this basement banging it out. Yeah, and it's forte in a, in a kind of in a sexy way, dare I say. A Fleetwood Mac kind of, you know, chorus, you know. Yeah, like, you know, that kind of sound with the uh, vocalese. Because he, 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 he really howls on that one, Brendan. The build up with the, with the micro, micro whatever stuff is fantastic. Uh, yeah. Profit, yes. Joel's our prophet. Always. Honestly, I, th this was at the end of our Chicago session, and I think we'd gotten through everything we'd talked about doing. And we were trying to figure out what else can we do. And uh, I don't know, I just got lucky, and I remembered this song, and was like, oh, what about that idea? This feels like this would fit with what we're doing here now. And we listened to it, and we're like, yeah, let's, let's go fucking play it. So I think we played it like four or five times and it was feeling good. So we decided to stick with it. That's that's what I remember. It was like a last minute thing that we did. Yeah, I remember the recording of Scapegoat. We were kind of holed up in our warehouse where we keep all of our, our gear when we're not touring. And we utilized the sound of the room which was great. We put like, you know, ribbon mics far away in the warehouse so we could achieve this sort of boom in the room, you know, like especially in the, in the drum department. And I remember doing like a lead guitar overdub where we utilized the close mics on the amps and then used the faraway mics and you could really hear this billowing of the room. So it's like there's a lot of natural ambience on, on that particular track that sort of stems from, you know, recording in a, in a freaking warehouse, which is kind of cool. You know, it, it did, doesn't sound like a normal studio or, or like the way, like that track wouldn't sound the same if we were to record that at like Boondock Studios. You know, there might be five songs off the record we did at, at Boondock and then maybe what, four or five at, at the warehouse, right? So that's another cool thing to note that there's this dry, sound on certain cuts and then there's this sort of billowing of a warehouse basically so it's kind of cool to have that back and forth a little bit it, it, it colors the record quite peculiarly deep in the recording process strapped for time escape goat took two different paths to the album on one hand it was inspired by the wishes of a fan 
On the other, its complexities and splintering ideas increased the pressure of the overall session. I remember recording this and we were running low on time. And we got like the first or second take and we didn't get it. And then we were at the last one. And when you're doing the take, there's an excitement in the room because everyone kind of gets nervous towards the end because we're almost there. And then Jake started playing a solo. And I remember thinking, okay, please get this, please get this. Because if he doesn't get this, we're going to have to do the whole thing again. And he got that whole take is one live take. Of live takes on that for from all of us. I know the drum samples I added to it was actually live as well. I was playing the pads because we were setting up for the stream, I believe, at that same week. So it was a rare situation where acoustic drum and electronic drums were all played live. Yeah, most bands don't do that anymore. Record, like, save the guitar solos, save all the parts, and, and not really do a lot of overdubs. Usually just do the vocals later. But yeah, some of the stuff on the record is like very much live, you know, old school Led Zeppelin way of recording a live band, you know, in the studio, which it's, it's cool. A lot of bands don't do that now because of everything's got to be so damn perfect nowadays. It's like there's no room for human error anymore in recordings. You know, it's like got to be freaking perfect. There's no room for Joel. Nope. Uh-oh. <laughs> I had to. Lama. <laughs> and the mic goes to Joel. As long as we've got the budget, there's room for me. Working through the track, the band was uncovering aspects of their own musical past, meeting with their inspirations, and fusing with untapped ideas for the future direction of the band. As with so many previous Umphreys McGee's songs, there's always an element of surprise that emerges within the session, which constantly drives the band forward. Yeah, no, it's just one of those things where we, we had this uh, we had this break and it, it was um, kind of switching between, I, I feel like the, the verse is kind of majory and the chorus is sort of minory. So it was that introduction into the, the minor key area. So that's, that's what's happening in that part that I'm talking about going right into the chorus. What I really like is, is the build up to that chorus. The chorus is like super powerful. It almost sounds like it's got another dynamic, you know? Where this song is less about the streamlined dynamics, but really when you hit that chorus, it, it it's like triple forte, boom. Even the title of the song, a play on words and emotions, provided an element of surprise for the band. I just want to add, because I just had this thought, we have an interesting way of naming things. And usually it's to entertain ourselves and make us laugh. And the title of the song, Escape Goat, is very funny to me. And when it came up, I was like, there's no way this is going to land. And here we are talking about Escape Goat. <laughs> Working in their warehouse studio, another element joined the session as there's a richness and a depth to this recording due to the conditions the band recorded in, where bleed was to be expected, and the vibe of the room was captured in full within the recording. Well, um, a good example of this dry versus wet uh, roomage with the studios, probably go with the same feel, like pure saturation was done at Boondock, 
right? A little bit tighter, more like a do, do, do kind of reverb. Not very long, maybe like a half a second is, is it would be the sound of the room because recordings have so much to do with the sound of the room, especially in the drums. And then you take the uh, scapegoat and go to the, the warehouse room and you got this. Bah, bah. Probably like a two second, like a two second um, or three second reverb or decay on the room. So yeah, you could probably hear, put those two examples next to each other and really get a feel for those two particular rooms that we used. As we've highlighted throughout the series, Humphreys McGee's songs take an extended drive from the conception through meticulous construction to studio production, and then finally relearning, tweaking, and refining ahead of their debut on stage. Escape Goat is no different. As we concluded our backstage conversation with Humphreys McGee at Red Rocks, we discussed this last part of the process in depth with the band in full. I definitely, when we're working on debuting a song that we haven't played live before I need to sing through it five or six times because I know I'm going to make mistakes and then I make mental notes of the lines that I mess up so it's almost good to make the mistakes because if if I didn't the first two or three times then I feel overly confident and then I'm going to blow it live so I am um, from the school of Cummins I, I, I err towards the side of error I think the trickiest part about playing new songs live and uh, is, is usually playing the parts and then when there are harmonies, vocal harmonies and tricky vocal things that are going on where, you know, maybe when you were coming up with your instrumental part, you weren't really thinking about singing while playing something. So when you get some rhythmic disparities in there, I think that's that's where it just takes reps. You got to do, get it to muscle memory to, to where you know how to play it. So. You just got to play it as many times as possible. And I think for me, it's usually like eight to 10 times after we play it live before I'm really comfortable with it up there and not having to think too hard about it. Yeah, definitely look forward to playing new songs. I mean, it's like we can only play all in time so many times before we get sick of certain songs, you know, but again, like we, we add something new to it every time we play these songs, you know, everyone plays the parts a little differently. You know, it's never exactly the same way. But it's really nice to have a whole batch of new songs to play live. You know, it's just, it makes our job easier out there being a touring act, having 120 original songs to sort of weed through. I don't know how many, how many original songs we have now. Hundreds. On July 15th, 2022, at the Stone Pony in Asbury Park, New Jersey, Humphreys McGee debuted Escape Goat with the set two opening 20 plus minute jam. Showcasing the song's immediate connection with their live sound, the expansive jam proved how comfortable they're getting with the asking for a friend material. One night later in Ohio, they jam it again for 16 minutes, just three songs into their first set. Yeah, so we, we have a friend, Wade, who used to work for the band, and he texted Joel and Pony and I and Jake. He said, I don't know when you play Scapegoat, but when you do, you need to take it for a 25-minute ride. And we did-ish. 
On the next episode of Talking Circles, we'll continue to discuss the remainder of asking for a friend. Talking Circles is a production of Osiris Media and Humphreys McGee. Audio production by Matt Dwyer. Written and produced by Brian Brinkman, RJB, and Kevin Browning. All interviews and audio used with permission from Humphreys McGee. Osiris.